I would say definitely talk to that person. Ignoring it because you don't know what to say is not a good option. You know, think come come to them with a sense of empathy and ask, meet them where they are and ask them what they need and then deliver, you know, as much as you can. And then the second phase phase is pivot. And that's really asking what's possible now. And I love that question because then that will broaden your lens to think about different possibilities and think of several. Don't just say, I'm going to go in this next direction. Actually critically think about some different possibilities for that person who's working for you. Welcome to CEO on the Go, the show about personal and professional growth for busy leaders like you. I'm Gail Lance, and I'm here to help you think differently, solve big problems, and inspire change. It's tough to do on your own and even with a team, but it is possible. So let's get started. Welcome to this special cause episode of CEO on the Go. You know, it doesn't matter how well you're working your plan or hitting your goals if something unexpected happens that seriously threatens your physical or mental health. And it often does, especially given the stress that's associated with executive roles. Even if you've not been personally impacted by some kind of serious illness or disease, you probably know people in your organization who have been. The experience can be devastating, but it doesn't have to be when you know how to help yourself or others in a compassionate way. My guest, Marsha Donziger, knows a lot about this, and I'm thrilled to introduce her to you, especially because this episode is airing in September, which is Ovarian Cancer Awareness Month. Ovarian cancer is something Marsha knows well. It's known as the silent killer. And so we're including links to resources in the show notes if you'd like to learn more about five warning signs and other information to help you become more informed about ovarian cancer. You'll find a lot of hope in her story. And more importantly, you'll learn how to help yourself and or others if or when some kind of major personal adversity strikes. One of the tips that Marsha shares is the importance of doing weekly well-being check-ins. And just after this podcast was recorded initially, she shared an article written fairly recently on the SHRM website, that's the Society for Human Resource Management, that cited that 52% of full-time employees welcome weekly check-ins. So I thought that was an interesting statistic. You'll see that in our show notes as well. I first met Marsha as a client of mine when she was navigating a transition out of a senior level role. And I've been most impressed with her tenacity, her commitment to learning, and the way that she's able to turn very difficult experiences in the past into good for others through My Lifeline, the organization she founded, and today through her own consulting business. Enjoy my conversation with Marsha Donziger. Marsha, welcome to CEO On The Go. Thank you, Gail. I'm so glad that you're here. I know that this has been put together at sort of the last minute, but it's such an important topic to cover with uh, a number of clients that I'm working with. You know, how to get through adversity, those times when you might be hit by some kind of physical or mental health challenge that comes out of the blue. And I would just love for you to share a little bit of your story. And, uh, you know, we are airing this during Ovarian Cancer Awareness Month. So I think that you're, you're the perfect person to share what you've been through and how that can really impact 
leaders and organizations and and people's lives to um, to give them some hope and inspiration as they move through those kinds of tough times. So tell us, how did you first hear news when when you learned of your diagnosis? Well, I was 27 years old at the time. And I, you know, was feeling some stomach pains and thought that was pretty unusual, but thought it would go away on its own. And, and it didn't, it didn't go away on its own after about a couple of months. So I went to a gynecologist to make sure everything was okay. I was newly married at the time and ready to start a family. So also just wanting to make sure all the, everything was in good working order so we could, you know, begin trying for a family. And um, what the doctor found was unexpected. It was a cyst on one of my ovaries. And so immediately in a panicked voice, I asked, could this be cancer? And she said, no, you're too young to have cancer. It's just benign. And I said, wonderful. That's great. Let's get it out. So we scheduled a surgery, went into surgery. And when the doctor um, had everything within eyes view, she found that cancer was spread throughout my abdomen. Um, It was a stage three ovarian cancer diagnosis. And so that, yeah, that's how I learned of the news. It was after the fact, I wasn't consulted on a hysterectomy in advance, but they did a hysterectomy on the fly. So when I found out I'd already had the hysterectomy, there is no time to talk about fertility options. That just had to be done. Yeah. Did you talk to a lot of people about it? How, How public did you make this issue? Well, this was 25 years ago before social media. So it was very public, like all my friends and family knew about it. And they really, you know, helped me through I I did six months of chemo afterwards. And I've been very, very lucky that it's not come back. And I've been in remission and in good health ever since. But obviously, a setback like that has the power to completely turn your life upside down and, and try, you know, trying to put the pieces back together was um, a really, you know, life-changing experience. Yeah. Well, I know it's so life-changing for you that it inspired you to start your own nonprofit. So what what was that organization? How did you go about doing that? Because I think that's something um, a lot of people consider when they feel so strongly about a cause or a mission. What did you do to, to get that off the ground? It definitely became part of my healing process. Um, one of the things I struggled with throughout chemotherapy was, you know, my inability to keep up with all my friends and family and update them on all the, you know, the recovery and healing process. And I, they were calling and leaving and doing email, but there was no streamlined way at the time for me to to really um, keep them up to date. And a few years later, a friend of mine, Lori, was diagnosed with brain cancer, and her friends created this beautiful website for her to update everybody. And for me, as a friend. It was so powerful that I could stay connected with her and learn how she was doing without burdening her to individually call me back. So in 2007, um, I decided to start an organization called My Lifeline, which um, created an online community for, for people impacted by cancer. So it was called My Lifeline Cancer Foundation. And I built you know an organization from the ground up with a, a ton of volunteer help and eventually we had staff and it was a really incredible learning experience. Yeah. And then it's amazing that you've gone on even as founder to leave that organization, start your own consulting business, doing the good work that you're doing now. But I was curious to know what advice you might have for leaders who, if they're experiencing that kind of thing themselves, or they're trying to be sensitive to employees mm-hmm. that are going through such a difficult time, what would be some of the the basic things that they need to know or do to be most responsive and most supportive? 
Yeah. Well, um, I've come up with this way to handle setbacks and it's a really simple formula and it's called pause, pivot, propel the three P's I'm calling pause, it. pivot and propel. Okay. Pause, pivot. So pause is giving that time, giving yourself or that person who's, who's working with you time and space to really reflect and assess and take care of themselves. You know, so it's all about make, giving someone space to kind of figure out where they are after a significant setback like that. So if I'm leading someone, would that mean giving them time off to just that say, could that could, you know, don't worry about coming into the office or, yes. or step away from, from Zoom for a little while if they're virtual? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I would say definitely talk to that person. Ignoring it because you don't know what to say is not a good option. You know, think come come to them with a sense of empathy and ask, meet them where they are and ask them what they need and then deliver, you know, as much as you can. And then the second phase it, phase is pivot. And that's really asking what's possible now. And I love that question because then that will broaden your lens to think about different possibilities and think of several. Don't just say, I'm gonna go in this next direction. Actually critically think about some different possibilities for that person who's working for you. Maybe they now need to work at home for a little bit as they're going through chemo and kind of take care of themselves in between meetings. And then um, propel. Before you go into propel, I just wanted to to reemphasize what you just said, because I do think that that's such a powerful question uh, around pivot and what's possible, because I think the tendency is for people to immediately think what they can't do anymore. You know, what is the work that I will be losing, the business that I might be losing out on and the things that are uh, no longer possible. So I love that you're framing it up that way. Just wanted to emphasize that. So, all right, uh, going on to Propel. Um, going on to Propel is just taking steps forward and, and seeing what's starting to click, what's starting to work, where synchronicity is happening, kind of letting some magic happen and, and mystery unfold because we can't control everything in the universe, only ourselves and our own responses. And so that's that's what happened to me when I started my lifeline. I had tried, you know, I'd volunteered at a hospital. I had, I had, you know, gotten a new change careers and done different things. And then, you know, starting my lifeline, it just like things just started happening. It was hard, hard work, but it just felt, you know, you, you know, some intu- intuitively something's going to, you know, propel you forward into a bigger, better possibility than you first thought possible before the bad setback happened. Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing along the way, you would have had signs of hope and positive expectation, and then maybe something uh, is different from that, where you're then concerned again. It's it's not just a constant uphill climb, is it? What is it that, that you think helps you navigate those, those ups and downs and um, move through the difficult situations in the way that you have so beautifully? What's the secret there? There are so many difficulties that happen and nothing is a straight line. It's just cycles. It could be one step forward, two steps back. There, there's That saying is popular for a reason. Yeah. So understand that that, that could be an expectation, right? Yeah, yeah. Set that at the beginning, I guess. Yeah. And, and grace for yourself that you're, as long as you're doing your best and trying your hardest and, and working towards, you know, connection and and building community and helping others once you like in service to others. I think that that also sets you on a quicker path to success. Mm-hmm. There's some people who may reach out immediately and feel very comfortable if someone is in a difficult situation. Um, there are others who may feel a little awkward. They don't want to be too personal or too intrusive. 
you know, violating in any uh, HR rules or anything like that. So what is your recommendation in terms of how how personal you can be, especially from a leadership perspective, if you really care about the person, but you don't want to, you know, step over the line there. Yeah. Can I share a story of hopefully what to do? Yeah. A friend of mine's uh, 21-year-old son was killed in a car accident about a year and a half ago. And he was a, a leader. My friend is the leader in this company and his company did not know what to do with him. And so what they've decided is that they don't bring it up. And he is grieving the loss of a child. And and for him, and he's talked to me about this, like, it's, I'd rather talk about my son. I want to keep him alive. I, it's, you can't ignore this as like, pretend it didn't happen. They're so uncomfortable. So please, that's what not to do. You've got to like, bring it up to somebody because, and if they don't want to talk about it, that's okay. But as a leader, I believe you have to open the door. What what would be some specific examples of how you might communicate or express concern, care? What's the language you might use? From, you know, starting with empathy, just say, you know, I've never been in your shoes before, but I want to be here for you. What could that look like? You know, and then my friend in this case might have said, um, I love, you know, my son's birthday is on this day, you know, maybe acknowledge that and, and just different things. And can we talk about him? Can I share a story about him? Maybe, you know, once a month, like, let's, let's talk about him. We it, like the pretending it never happened is so uncomfortable. Yeah. So sharing uh, at the beginning, what your intention is, is one of the best things that you can do. Even if the words don't come out right, that's what I tell my clients. Don't worry so much about how the words come out. If you're speaking your intention and what you're trying to accomplish, people will see that. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. That's great. So in in your lowest moments, where did you find most support? Did you reach out for it? How did you get through? Well, I'm fortunate to have like a very supportive family and friends. So, I mean, they're the ones that really helped pull me through that difficult year. You know, someone I thought would be there for me wasn't, and that was my husband. And I ended up in divorce court a year to the date of my diagnosis. So that was pretty difficult. That's sometimes surprising, like someone you think that would be there for you and and couldn't be. So you really kind of find out who in your life, when you go through a deep setback, who's there for you. Yes. And it often can be multiple setbacks happening at the same time for many people. I know I've experienced that myself too. So um, just curious to know, how how would you have conversations with the team if you're trying to help your team become more sensitive or aware of issues? What what does that conversation look like? Um, it's, it's really around, it could be around like some emotional intelligence training. And that's not to insult anyone that they're not, but it's just things to bring into your awareness. And as a leader, to be aware of, of the empathy, you know, that you are, are giving to your team. Um, well, of course, holding it's not being soft and not holding them accountable for for goals that are set for the company, but it's about listening, empathy, and and making sure that you know you're responsive to the needs of the humans on your team, human centered first, and and then you'll all pull together. I mean, people will go above and beyond for you if you can really show up for them. 
Yeah, I really do like uh, leaders being as transparent as they can be. I've had some other guests on the show that have talked about the value of being as transparent as possible when you're having conversations with the team about a difficult issue or something difficult that a person may be going through. While you don't have to share the details, it still is important for for people at some level to understand what's happening and, and what the potential impact is and how they can be supportive. So it doesn't just become this you know gossip. Uh, line that doesn't serve any purpose, you know, so I think setting that intention as a leader that I'm sharing this with you in hopes that we can really rally or support or, and that uh, as a leader, I would want the team's ideas, you know, what do they think would be something that could be possible to help support a coworker or someone who might be struggling in the workplace. So because it could be any of us any day, really, like, don't know. So how, how, how would you want to be treated, you know, if you were in that situation? Yeah, yeah. Good. Well, I was curious to know if you have any core message that if you could talk to the leaders, which you're doing, who are listening to this podcast, what is the takeaway for them, the main takeaway or core message uh, that if you could give them any kind of hope or inspiration to address this issue with more sensitivity and more confidence so that they do come out the other side? achieving the results for their business and elevating the people that they lead, what, what, what advice do you have for them? My advice is to do um, well-being checks with the people that report to you and even people throughout the organization. And it could be on the spot. It could be, you know, part of your weekly check-ins and just call it a well-being check. Like, how are you, you know, beyond, you know, a lot of projects at work and all the things that you have going on in your day? How are you outside of work? Is there anything I can do? I mean, just asking those questions and being willing to meet people where they are is really what people want. It's it's very simple when you talk about culture and it's very simple. It's meet people where they are, listen, empathize, connect, and you know, your business will will show those results through performance and retention, lower burnout, all the things that we're looking for. Yeah. The how are you question sounds so basic, but it is so important. Instead of what the tendency might be, would be for many leaders to say, tell me about your goals. Where are you on that project? <laughs> you know, um, so it's a, it's really connecting at the human level as we talk about so much on the podcast. So yeah, and knowing your people, some people want to get directly to the point, right? We know this through our assessments. So with the people that want you to get directly to the point, you know, do that. And but some people need a little bit of interpersonal connection before they can really, you know, produce and be, you know, engaged. Yeah. Good. Well, tell people the best way to reach you and a little bit about the consulting work that you're doing now, because I know that you're very excited about it and you're doing great things, especially related to healthcare, right? Is that the the main domain in which you're playing now? Say a little more about that. So, um, you know, through my lifeline, my nonprofit, I, you know, my vision was to change the cancer experience through community and connection. And as I was running that organization, I noticed the importance of community and connection within a company. And so I've developed a culture framework called Culture Cares, and um, it's an acronym for commitment, appreciation, respect, engagement, and safety. And I teach this model to CEOs and senior leadership teams who really want to take their culture to the next level to elevate innovation, performance, trust. Uh, and so that's what I'm, I'm a fractional chief culture officer, you could call me, or culture coach. And I love, you know, doing trainings and workshops and 
and really getting in to companies to help them through consulting. Fantastic. And so what's the best way for people to reach you? You can go to my website at marshadonziger.com and I'll spell that M-A-R-C-I-A-D-O-N-Z-I-G-E-R.com. And it uh, will tell you all about what I'm up to these days and hopefully can connect with your audience at some point. Good. And can you mention real quickly the memoir that you've got coming out too that I just saw for women especially? Yeah. Yes. So my first book is coming out uh, in November and it's called You Are Meant for Great Things, My Story of Turning Setbacks into Stepping Stones. And it really talks about, you know, kind of starting with my cancer diagnosis and then throughout the, the next several years of personal and professional setbacks, obstacles, and and trying to overcome them. And still working on that today. Life is an ongoing process. So <laughs> yes. I'm hoping that to really reach, you know, women, young women in their professional careers and give them hope and inspiration. Fantastic. Well, you've given us a lot of that today in just a short period of time. I knew you would. And I, again, I'm so glad that we could put this episode together um, to help shine some light on these important topics. So thanks for joining me today, Marsha. Thanks, Gail. And for everyone else listening in, I hope you have a wonderful rest of the week doing the work that matters to you. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, be sure to share this episode with someone else who might benefit or leave a review. You can join my email list by going to workmatters.com so you don't miss an episode. And there you can learn more about ways we serve mission-driven leaders like you. If there's a challenge you want to discuss, I'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, keep growing as a leader, inspiring change, and doing the work that matters to you.